0: Welcome to Sharing the Spectrum and Autism Canada Podcast, an engaging series of discussions about relevant topics, including parenting, relationships, employment, education, nutrition, and so much more. We look forward to introducing you to people from our ASD community and sharing their perspectives on life and autism. And now, please enjoy this episode of Sharing the Spectrum and Autism Canada Podcast.
1: Hi there, and welcome. I am Julie from Autism Canada, and I'm really excited about today's discussion because it is the first in what is going to be a new series for us here at Autism Canada. Each month, I will be sitting down with Dominique, our family services manager and mother to two autistic boys, and Bruce, autistic advocate, and also a colleague. We're going to answer frequently asked questions that we receive every day in our family services department. Our goal is to answer the questions and provide tips and feedback to help support the community with further resources. And please note that because we do provide support to people on the autism spectrum, as well as their families, caregivers, and friends, we feel it's important to provide a caregiver's point of view as well as an autistic point of view. So welcome, Dominique and Bruce. So glad to be having this chat. Really excited to have you guys here today and looking forward to doing this again. Um, we're going to kick off our new series with a discussion about the holidays. So. The question I have for both of you is: Is this time of year really the most wonderful time of the year? <laughs> Why don't we start with Bruce? Bruce is an, our autistic advocate, and he can give us some thoughts from his perspective.
2: No, it is not the most wonderful time of the year. To be honest, for me personally, it's a, a it's a time of confusion. I understand the Christmas aspect from my upbringing this time of year has been christmas all my life so it becomes this routine i i understand the feather the family gatherings on christmas day and the exchange of presents but i'm not understanding why there is a process that starts in november now um i don't understand it often feels like Social events are forced during this period. It's like we have this time of the year where all social events must happen. Um, and that's that's a little confronting confusing for me, um, from a from an autistic perspective and from a personal perspective. Now, you also must remember. Um, listeners who who don't know me is most of my life I've been a professional musician so this has also been previously the busiest time of the year and I didn't have time to to partake in anything I was performing I was I was always involved in the music so it, 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 it it's 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 confusing
1: it's a busy time of year for sure so just based on that feedback how do you take care of yourself during the holidays because clearly there's overwhelm with respect to gatherings, you know, having to shop, doing all these sort of traditional things that that your family or friends often ask of you. So, you know, what are the thing? What are the sources of your overwhelm, and how do you take care of yourself?
2: Taking care of myself is an easy answer. Um, I tend to just not get involved with everything that people may be expecting. To be honest, as I've got. Older, I've been doing more and more of my shopping for my family online. There is a practicality with that, which is which is absolutely wonderful from an autistic perspective. Um, I morally, I don't agree with. I'd rather be shopping locally, but um, the fact that I can have these ideas and and order gifts from multinational companies that live in the cloud um, and they who deliver and I just need to do the wrapping and distribution, that's great. I have learned to say no, or probably more accurately, my wife has learnt to tell me to say no. Because again, the, the, the social pressure in this period is very confronting. If I got 15 invitations to social events throughout the year, I can pace myself, I can do that. But I'm getting... 15 events all in within four weeks and i can't do that i would i would just collapse i would have a breakdown there would be just a complete burnout but how do i choose which ones i go to um am i offending friend a workplace b community group c that's a that's that's a challenge that's a, it's a real a Um, And so I have to make sure I'm booking in rest periods and times where I get to walk on the beach because I can still do that. And maybe a lived advantage is that every time I've gone to a social event, I tend to just stay in the corner anyway. And so I, I, I don't participate so much. And I've been doing that for many years try to sound depressing or sad or things. (laughs) (laughs) It's the most wonderful time of year, except it's so frustratingly sad and difficult and complex.
1: And I think that's really important. And I think that's part of why we want to have these conversations, because it's really important that people outside of the autistic community understand why these things can be tricky or hard for people who are on the spectrum, right? So Um, so giving that information to people so that they understand, you know, maybe if you're going to an event and it's a family event and it's someone you can talk to about it, like, would it make sense to, and Dom step in here anytime, would it make sense to say when you arrived, look, I may just need a quiet space for a bit. Um, is there somewhere that I can go to just sit for five minutes if I need to? I know I heard someone say once that, If they're at a social event and they get overwhelmed, they'll often go and sit in their car and then they'll go back in once they feel settled again. But I guess one of the things that I, one of my goals is to, and I'm sure yours as well, is to educate the greater community in why these things are important and maybe why people feel uncomfortable. You know, I loved your point. You made a point um, in an email to me about the uh, ugly sweater tradition. And people think that's hilarious. But for someone on the spectrum who has sensory concerns or sensitivities, wearing an acrylic ugly Christmas sweater could be the most uncomfortable experience, you know, of the season. And so how do we educate the community in knowing that, A, these things exist, and B, making sure our friends in the autistic community understand that it's okay to say no, or it's okay to push back a little bit, you know, that's hard.
3: Um. I think what I like about these little podcasts is that we are getting we are getting three different perspectives. So Bruce is offering a perspective from an autistic. Um, I am prepared to offer a perspective as a caregiver and as a parent and a spouse. And Julie, you're coming in from a different angle because you know you. Are familiar with the autism community and y- you're one of these people who advocate for autistics regularly and I think what's um, interesting is that you know in your question Julie about um, how do we you know how do we um, educate the general population or society as a whole is to simply ask an autistic and everyone is different every autistic is unique and what I appreciate as a parent is if I do have plans to go to a friend or a neighbor or um, you know a gathering of sorts, I love that they actually um, many many of these people will ask me as the caregiver, and I'm in a position now where I can say, well, why don't you ask my kid? Why don't you ask? My youngest or my oldest, because they are in the position where they can communicate their needs, and they're not afraid to say, "This is what works for me, and this is what does not work for me." What's important is um, understanding boundaries and respecting them, as far as sensory um, input/output is concerned, and um, and being respectful to what they can and, and and cannot, you know, handle or tolerate or experience during. This time of year,
2: that's a that's a good point, and it was actually a parallel point that I want to make. Always, always ask an autistic. Always ask what what their needs and 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 um, requirements are. I have to acknowledge that it's difficult sometimes for me to speak up. I think there's so much social pressure, social contract that it has been a tradition that you don't complain. And you you don't raise things in social gatherings because you don't want to rock the boat, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I acknowledge that I don't have a caregiver, except that maybe I have a wife, and she acts as my caregiver because it, I I couldn't get through most of this stuff without her prompting. Um, and, and in fact, even my eldest daughter will often. Because she's also neurodivergent. I mean, all of, all of our families neurodivergent. My my eldest will speak up and and go and approach people in circumstances and say, "Would you mind doing this? Would you mind doing that?" That is still something I struggle with. And and the acknowledgement that this is the education aspect of this is that what Dominique is saying is that her kids are old enough to t- say what they what they require. But still, the question is going through Dominic first. There's still this idea of a, it's going through a caregiver. And, and that's a barrier that needs to be reduced in general, that uh, the question needs to be to the autistic rather than the caregiver. Now, I also acknowledge, Dominic, this is a parental aspect we're talking about. But I think that's a, um, people are more happy to talk to a caregiver than they are to the, to the actually autistic people often.
1: I think there's a sense that you might offend or, you know, it may be something that you shouldn't ask about. I think you're right. Um, I wonder about people that haven't disclosed or young children who um, maybe aren't, aren't diagnosed yet. And they're going to a Santa visit, you know, how do we, how do we educate the community to just be inclusive, just be aware that there are people out there who may not love the bright lights or may not love the scratchy Santa, the scratchy Santa outfit when they're sitting in a chair, having their photo taken or the bright lights, you know, how do we, I mean, it's a big question for sure. How do we, how do we get it out there? And I, I
3: have, I have a point to add to that. And I think that what's really important is it is an educational piece and it has to do with it you know, it's empathy and these individuals who are Santa's helpers and who are working in the malls and working in, um, you know, different locations and, um, helping Santa, uh, there needs to be some sort of, um, there needs to be some, some sort of training. And of course we offer that as an organization, but as, as a whole. And I think that a lot of that is, you know, part of this training is just to, to be open and to be, um, sensitive to, neurodivergence and, you know, be maybe more education on, you know, what does this consist of? What doesn't, you know, um, you know, how do we, how do I, do I identify a potential, um, you know, a little one with who is autistic? And then, you know, it's a matter of this whole idea of forcing this child to sit on Santa's lap to take a photo. Well, maybe that child does not want to be held down and hugged or touched by Santa, you know, to make sure that they're sitting on their lap. it, it It's just, you know, be open and go at the child's pace. It doesn't necessarily mean that there needs to be the structured routine every time there's a visit. So that's just an opinion that, um, I have from my personal experience. And I feel that, that, you know, our Santas need to be a bit more aware of what, you know, these kids could, could possibly be feeling or, you know, especially when it comes to sensory.
1: Did you, when your kids were young, did you, uh, tell, if you went for a stand visit did you tell the person that your child was on the spectrum did you tell them they may not make eye contact did you tell them it may be uncomfortable for them would you disclose that
3: in the earlier stage so my oldest is now 17 and he he still believes which is incredible because it it's very magical um but now it's different because you know since he was he was younger we have made sure that we had a um you know we would attend like a a, a sensory visit so um a, you know sensory and safe santa visit um and that's organized through my my city but not not everyone can offer this so i think as a parent i would you know maybe call ahead maybe you know go and see the environment read the room and then find out whether or not it's conducive to your child's needs and Um, If it means going like really, you know, later in the day or right before the mall closes or wherever the Santa may be, maybe take that into consideration, but meet this, meet the Santa halfway, right? Don't expect to get, um, you know, um, a a Santa who is, um, you know, really taking their time for, for your child when it's like, you know, high noon and it's, and it's a busy place and it's a busy, you know, try to try to meet them halfway at least.
1: Yeah. Choose your, choose your timing. It's kind of like going shopping, right? The malls are chaotic in the middle of the day. So if you can, if you have to go to a mall, maybe it's early first thing when it opens or at the end of the day, and maybe you take your dark glasses and maybe you take your noise cancelling headphones and you, you just sort of allow yourself to melt into that a little bit so that it's not quite so overwhelming.
2: It's actually that's a, it's a bigger question. When we talked about Santa visits, like, Everything Dominic said is completely brilliant and fantastic. And then the confounding problem is the place on where the Santa visit is. So Mm -hmm. there's there's a Santa at our local mall here. It's not a, it's a small one, little suburban mall, but it's in the middle of the food court. It's the middle of a crossway of walkways between open stores that leads to the, the big shopping center, the shopping, the shop. And I was there last week. There was a huge lineup. For the kids going to Santa. They were screaming everywhere, but the music was so loud from the mall and then the Santa had its music and it's in a food court and, 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 and. Um, I, I actually couldn't believe that uh, a neurotypical person could have handled that much sensory input. And it, it's one of the things I wanted to say before was, was one of the things we're talking about when we're talking about sensory friendly, there's an acknowledgement that in fact, as a society, we have created extremely sens- stimulating environments for shopping, um, and that's no good for anybody. It really isn't. Like the, the flashing lights, the, and again, I'm going back to make the loud music. The I mean, number of people—that's a, that's, that's a, a variable we can't control. At Christmas time, everyone's going shopping. Okay, that we can't control. But if there's a thousand people in a corridor. Don't blast music. Don't blast Christmas music. Um, don't have bright lights. All those senses are being overstimulated. And, and obviously for an autistic person and, and neurodivergent people, it's, that's overwhelming. But you're hitting the neurotypical people as well. And, you know, you so often I'll hear people saying, oh, I was at the mall for two hours. I need to lie down for four hours. And it's like, that's okay, that's my regular experience, but that's not your regular experience. What is it? It's because the entire environment is is not conducive at all, and I think that's a that's a that's an education piece that applies for autistic people and neurodivergent people, but also applies for neurotypical people.
1: I would agree with you entirely. Yeah, I mean, I'm neurotypical, and I would say that I can't go to the mall at Christmas time. It's too much. It's too much. Okay, so let's talk a bit about planning for yourself and for your kids during the holidays, how do you make those decisions, Bruce, that you were talking about? How do you decide if an event is going to be okay? And if you get to an event and you don't feel like it's okay, what do you do? And Dom, same for you with your kids and your husband.
2: I I think I sort of answered this before. I don't know how to choose. Um, I mean, there's going to be obvious ones. I have a very good friend um, here where we live. Who's going to have a Christmas function? And they've known me for years. And all, all the people who be there know who I am, know that I will just go and sit outside and quite happy to talk to as many people as possible, but I'm not going to go into the main room. Um, and again, my caregiver, that's inverted commas for people on the radio listening to us. <laughs> Meredith and my kids, we are we are all aware of each other, and and we are we all checking in regularly to make sure that we're not starting to go down a hole. And quite honestly, we as a family, it, it, it's almost like we've all synced and we'll just maybe have a conversation with the kids and they'll just go yeah, I think I'm done. Especially my, my daughter will go I'm done. I don't <laughs> like this. I'm done. We just leave. and We say goodbye and we leave. And, and, and I think Twenty years ago, thirty years ago, I would have felt horrible and and would want to bring and apologize. But now it's like you know what we're all done. Yeah, and we and we don't need to. You know, I think we used to lie. It's something I can't do. You know, in my in previous times that there's been like, well, you know, it's gee, it's it's that time, and and we've got to get the kids to bed or something. It's just like no, we just say we, we're done. Thank you very much.
1: Well, I think that's a really important point. I mean, it's okay to say no. And it's okay to leave. You know, if you make the effort to get there and it's not working for you, it's okay to leave. Be polite, you know, say goodbye if you can. Um, but that's okay. And that's that, you know, that's a great, that's a great tip really for people is to understand that there's a social, you know, people I think people think there's sort of the social contract. And when you go somewhere, you have to stay for a certain amount of time and you have to participate in a certain way. And you know what, that's not true. You participate the best you can, and if it's not working for you, it's okay to go. You know, if you feel bad about it maybe you can send a note to the host the next day and just say you know i had a great time sorry i had to leave early i don't know don what do you think
3: i think that if you, know, if you if you're getting an invitation to go to some to a gathering whether it's a family member or a friend or neighbors i think it's important to communicate with them as best you can and just ask them you know what just you know keep your expectations extremely low because there could be an opportunity where my kids just need to leave, or they might not be okay with what the food you're serving. Um, don't be offended if I bring them their own meal. Um, you know, I am going to pack a suitcase full of of their fidgets and their electronics to help keep them occupied while we're there. So, you know, make room for my suitcase because it's coming. So it's just one of those things where I think communication is really important and give them that heads up that, you know what, if they're just not in a good place, don't be offended if I need to go, if I need to take my kids with me.
1: Well, also a great point because not only are you providing the supports they need to manage a potentially difficult environment or overwhelming environment, but you're also listening to them and you're understanding what their needs are. And I think that a lot of the time we take our kids and we just say, okay, well, we're going to this party, let's go. And don't sort of plan, we're not planning. Planning for it, and we don't sort of we're not thoughtful about it in advance. So um, another really important point, you know, make sure if you're bringing your kids to a family event or a gathering of sort sorts, make sure they have what they need. Maybe it is an iPad and headphones, and they're just going to sit in the corner and they're not going to talk, and that's okay. Again, people need to understand that that kind of behavior is not antisocial; it's necessary.
2: We've raised another visible invisible disability conundrum that the rest of my family also have somewhat severe dietary restrictions so people know that we often have to bring gluten-free stuff or um, lactose-free food but they wouldn't understand if it was a textural element if 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 there's something about i you know there's certain taste aversions that i have in fact my wife has the same thing the versions but it, like people don't I think react really um, strongly when my wife says, "Oh, I can't have mushrooms because of a previous experience I had." They go, "Oh, oh." oh. But if she says, "I can't have that because I'm celiac," it's like, "Oh, okay, I understand." You know, and I, They may even say, oh, "I've checked the ingredients for you, trying to be careful," but they don't think about the neurodivergent, dis- the invisible disability aspect of that. Again. It's it's an awareness that um, we exist maybe sometimes invisibly. Our differences exist d- differently, the invisibly. I'm sorry. That sounded so brilliant in my head.
1: <laughs> it sounded brilliant to me. Well, and I think that's important, right? I think that it's um, it can be kind of embarrassing to say to someone, "Your food looks amazing, but I just can't eat mushrooms because they have a strange texture, or I can't eat, you know, whatever." It's it's um it's definitely tricky. Any thoughts, Tom?
3: I do. I bring my own food. And I think that over time, and you know, I'll be quite honest. Um, I've been married to my husband for 18 years, and I know his mom's not going to listen to this. So I'm going to talk about my wonderful in-laws who have a, you know, beautiful home by the water. Um, they have a lot of knickknacks, they have a lot of, you know, fragile ornaments. Um, Their house looks like something out of a magazine and it's almost, you walk in and you feel like it's been sterilized, right? So it's just, it's beautiful, but it is not kid-friendly and it never has been kid-friendly. And um, I think with over time, you know, of course, every visit, my kids would either break something or want to touch something and it would be, oh, you know, know, she she would would be on top of them and it would be just such a stressful visit. So we're in a position now with them. We just invite them. We invite them over to our place. It's not worth the energy and the anxiety and the stress for everyone to lug them all to their place. So we just have them come here. Sometimes you just need to kind of, you know, to, to make this decision. And it's a, it's a tough decision because they are my in-laws and I, and I respect them very much and I want them to be a part of our celebration, but not their way. It's gotta be our way.
1: Well, and, and you know, that, that also um, allows you to control the food, the environment. It gives the kids a space to, um, go to their room if they need quiet, which is great. If you can do that. Absolutely. It made me think about the, uh, I have a son who is neurodivergent and for the first, well, probably until last year, 12 years of his life, you know, through my life, my mom gave me beautiful glass Christmas ornaments every year for Christmas. She would give me a beautiful glass Christmas ornament and I was afraid to put them on the tree. (laughs) Because I didn't want them to break and I've started to now, but um, yeah, I guess just making accommodations for things like that is important.
2: I have um, a solution for that one. You I just do. need to have cats. Yeah. No, because <laughs> cats will break, break everything. And so you don't have the, the the flashy ornaments and everybody's happy.
1: So, you know, we've sort of talked about a lot of things and I don't want this to be a super long, I want people to be able to listen, get some tips and get some ideas really fast. So if we were going to start, if you were each going to list sort of list your top five tips um, from um, an autistics perspective and from a, a, a parent caregiver perspective for surviving the most wonderful time of the year, what would they be?
2: It's okay to say no. Space, plan, make sure that you're not doing too much. And it's super important to book in rest period. Be, be be careful about that specifically. Trust the people you're going with or you're going to. Assume, I'm going to say assume competency in this beautiful way. I'm reversing my normal role of, of assume competency, talking about autistics. Autistics, assume that your hosts are competent. Assume that they are not going to invite you and then be offended if you have some sensory needs that need to be raised. I'm going out in a limb with this one. Challenge assumptions. If you're involved in a family with a long series of traditions and the tradition is something that makes you feel uncomfortable challenge why that's why that's happening. Family traditions are very malleable if they weren't all our families would be doing what our great 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 grandparents were doing and you know dying at age 40 and and eating lead tainted and you know, drinking lead tainted water and Going out to to catching our own rabbits to make our rabbit pie, like we all change. There's there's history, so these sort of traditions can can shift and and feel okay to to maybe question why something is happening because I think t- we tend to think logically more first, and so sometimes those things are why are you doing this? That just doesn't make sense to me. Let let me context for that one, for instance. Ugly sweaters did not exist in my childhood and I don't think it's an Australian tradition or it certainly wasn't when I grew up. So I when I moved to North America and people talked about this ugly sweater, it's like, okay, you're doing these things, but why? Who's written that rule that, that there has to be this ugly sweater tradition besides the fact they're uncomfortable and they look terrible and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like that sort of question that. I think that's not five points it's kind of like an expanded four but I'm happy with those.
1: Thank you. Well, an online shop maybe avoid them all that could be that could be one. Dominique, what do you think?
3: I may not have five. Um Bruce has touched on some really important points but um I've got um two big points and one little point. I think the first one would be if you have a partner with you when you are as a caregiver, if you have a partner with you, you know, set some ground rules and make sure that you tag team. Uh, We had two on the spectrum, two kids on the spectrum and for the longest time. And we, we know now, but it took some, it took some time for my husband to kind of get to understand when I'm ready to burn out um, from the event, because as a caregiver, you, you know, you've got a lot of responsibilities, wearing a lot of hats, you're watching your kids, you're making sure that you're being, you know, mindful of, um, you know, your time with the company, you're entertaining, or you're being entertained. So, you know, you're, you're kind of all over the place. It's not always uh, easy. Um, so make sure that you have someone with you or that you can tag team with where, you know, one's kind of, you know, work in the room and the other ones with the kids and then flip just so you kind of each get a break. And I think as parents, too, it's important to respect your child's boundaries. So when your child, like Bruce mentioned earlier, you know, when his, um, you know, when his child comes up to him and says, OK, we're done, I'm done. It's important as parents to really listen because, you know, it's often time. I remember as a kid, my mom would say five more minutes, five more minutes, five more minutes. So you're like forced to conform to doing what you don't want to do, being in a place you don't want to be in. And, you know, the anger builds up, the anxiety builds up. But in, in, in a certain way, that can lead to masking. You're forcing your child to conform mm-hmm. to the event. You're forcing your child to stay and to mesh and mingle and be somewhere they do not want want to be because they're overstimulated or because they they're having some some challenges or some sensory issues just respect their boundaries if they come to you and they say okay mom like I need to go just make sure that you are respecting what they're asking and if there's no negotiating then follow that and I think finally um, this is from kind of a um, from my professional perspective I am getting a lot of calls from people who want to purchase gifts for kids uh, on the spectrum or neurodivergence, and they don't know what to buy. And they are coming to us asking us for suggestions. What do I buy, you know, a five-year-old on a spectrum? What do, you know, and these are great questions. And I love that people are asking because it's important. They want to make sure that they're getting the right thing. They want to make sure that it's something that the child will enjoy and that the parents can be grateful for. Because oftentimes, I, I know even my own parents had a hard time they still do. Uh, you know, what, what will really benefit, you know, your kid? What will, what is a great toy for me to get them that they will really enjoy and truly enjoy? And the answers are very, very simple. Anything that uh, helps them with sensory, you've got, you can go on Amazon and you can buy these fidget kits. And I can't tell you how cool these things are, but you can get, you know, 20 piece, 30 piece, 40 piece fidget kit. Um, and it's a box and it's full of different kinds of fidgets. These you'll never go wrong with fidgets ever um anything like a, a weighted lap pad or a weighted blanket um a projector light you know these little lights that the little ones like in their room um you know that projects some really soothing um you know lights it's beautiful these things can be put in any room they it can be carried around and then batteries these kids can go through so many batteries just from excessive use hey if you want to buy them you know six months worth of batteries that's a great gift that will benefit the child and the parents and it's, it's very helpful so these are just kind of like little tips that i like to offer to people calling in, to clients calling in and asking what do i get someone who's on the
2: spectrum forgot the most important one what's that trains trains always work <laughs>
0: trains.
1: trains are amazing that's true yep. <laughs> um well thank you those tips were great i think from my perspective um from a a neurotypical perspective and someone who does sometimes host, I think, you know, if you are hosting and um, you don't necessarily know your guest very well, if they are, if you find that they're quiet or they, or they're maybe not interacting the way you expect, ask if they need a break, ask if they want to go sit in a quiet space. The other thing is people aren't always going to want to come and eat the food that you have at your party or drink the drink that you have at your party. And that's okay. Well, thank you for those tips. And of course, as always, if listeners have questions, they're welcome to reach out to our fantastic Family Services team um, with their questions. And you'll talk to either Bruce or Dominique. But thank you for having us.
0: Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Stay tuned for more episodes of Sharing the Spectrum and Autism Canada podcast. The beautiful music you heard is from Bruce Patrick. Bruce is a neurodiverse musician and friend of Autism Canada. You can check out more of his music on his website at BrucePatrick.com. Our executive producer is Barbara Patton. Julie Perkis is our producer. Additional thanks to the Autism Canada team, including Tafari Anthony, Shannon Salinski, Dominique Payment, Mariana Curric, and Earl Zelensky. For more information about Autism Canada, don't forget to visit us at autismcanada.org. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube.